Today, uh, we are uh, following the Chosen series, episode number six, which is really about two miracles that Jesus performed. And I'd like to read both of those miracles to you. They're found in the Gospel of Luke in the fifth chapter. It says, while he, speaking of Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And then just after that is another story of healing. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with them to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay, before, lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God, and, uh, and amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Now, I want you to do something if you're at home. Now, here in person, you can't do this, but if you're at home, go ahead and grab a, a mat a small blanket, maybe a towel, something. I, I, I brought this little mat here. And uh, you're going to need that a little bit later in the service. And so if you have something uh, in your house you can grab quickly, go ahead and get that because you're going to need that. Um, and for the rest of us, what I'd like to encourage you to do now is watch how this plays out. I, I'm a visual learner. I love to see things acted out. And uh, both of these miracles are acted out in the season of The Chosen. Um, but we want to show you just the clip, the, the powerful tension going on between Jesus and the religious leaders and the, and the beautiful faith that is displayed as a paralyzed man rises to walk. And so watch your screen for the next couple minutes. Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven 
or rise up and walk. It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. Powerful to watch. Uh, I, want to, I want to take a look at both of those miracles and just point out uh, there's some things that are similar, things that are different, but a powerful message that really applies to us even today. So I want to look at three things. The first is about the healing, how varied it is. There's, there's more than just physical healing happening in these two miracles. Of course, there's physical. Here's a man who's a, first a leper that comes to Jesus. This leper has what's now known as Hansen's disease. It oftentimes starts with a spot on the skin and begins to grow and can eventually produce ulcers that start to ooze. It can cause someone to lose eyebrows, uh, to lose feeling in their fingers and hands, and eventually actually to lose fingers and toes. It, it, it can cause someone's voice to become scratchy and make breathing difficult. Um, it, was, it was a form of death inch by inch, hour by hour, over a period of sometimes two, maybe three decades. The second man that came to Jesus, or actually was brought to Jesus, was a paralytic. Now interesting, both of these people had nerve issues. Their, their nerves were damaged, they couldn't feel. And so while they have a lack of, lack of nerves, they come to someone who has a ton of nerves, Jesus, to be healed. But his paralysis, you know, we don't know the background. We don't know if it was a birth defect. We don't know uh, if he suffered an injury in his childhood. We don't know what happened. We just know that he can't move. And because it's a nerve issue, neither one feels a whole lot of physical pain. I mean, when your nerves aren't active, you don't feel the pain. Uh, but they have more pain than physical pain. They also have emotional pain. 
See, the rabbis had a teaching that the, the lepers were actually stricken by God. They were being punished by God. They were treated kind of like zombies, like the walking dead. They were cut off from society. They were um, removed from their families. They had to live outside on the outskirts of town in little uh, communities. If they ever came into town or approached anyone, they had to wear torn clothes. They had to shout out, unclean, unclean so that people could be socially distanced from them. I mean, these, these lepers were just, were just left out and forgotten, almost as if they were dead people. I remember when I was a, a child, a cruel game we used to play in elementary school. We'd find some kid who wasn't very popular, who had something, maybe something deficient in their physical makeup or emotional. And, and this was cruel, I admit it, but kids did this. We'd, if someone bumped into that child, we'd say, cooties. And then we go to touch someone else to pass it on. And in a sense, these people felt like that. We're untouchable. Nobody wants to be around us. And you know, I find that there are people even today that I, I imagine who are suffering from some physical ailment, maybe some um, birth issue, and they go through life and people don't know how to react around them. I would say people even within our own church. There are people in our church who, who aren't just like you who have other challenges in their life. And on top of the physical challenges they have is the emotional challenge of people who walk right by and never say hi, who see them in a wheelchair and never bother to get down face to face and interact with them, who don't treat them like human beings. And I would encourage you in your life, as you interact with people that are unlike you, who, who, who may have issues you don't understand, to take the time to love them, to treat them with dignity, because they're suffering more than a physical way. They're suffering emotional pain. You know, Jesus cares for those who suffer these internal hurts. It says in the book of Psalms, uh, Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And maybe that describes you today. Maybe you're fine physically, but emotionally you're a mess. And Jesus wants you to know he can, he can heal that wound today. There's also relational damage. Um, lepers were ostracized. They were separated from family, from their friends, uh, from their place of work. They, they didn't have jobs hardly anymore unless they could do something on their own. Uh, the relationships were cut off. And I look back at this last year, as Pastor Matt said, it's been a year now since COVID really um, ravaged our country, really changed a lot of things. And one of the things that's concerned me more, probably more than anything, has been the breakdown of relationships. I have never seen a time in my life when close friends, even family members, separated from one another, not because of a COVID virus, not because they were isolated, um, because they had uh, contracted the virus. They separated because they, they had different political views. They had different views on the information coming out about COVID. They had, they had different views about the protests that were happening around our country. And family member says, I'm done with you. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Friend says, I'm defriending you from Facebook because you don't think like me. And we've lost relationships. There's so much relationship. If you're healthy physically and your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, with your friends is a shambles, it's hard to enjoy life. Life is about relationships. It's the sweetest part, I would say, of relationships. And then we have this spiritual sickness going on. See, all aspects of our life are actually interconnected. They affect one another, and nothing affects all of those other parts of life, relationships, emotions, and our bodies, as does our spiritual condition. 
It interplays with all of those things. That's why Jesus said to the man on the mat, said, uh, your sins are forgiven. Everyone else thought his biggest issue was paralysis. Jesus thought, no, you've got a bigger issue. It's called sin. But I'm going to do both. I'm going to do both for you. I'm going to give you a bonus today. I'm going to heal you in both ways. And so often we don't realize that the issues in our life, the broken relationships, the emotional trauma uh, we are suffering, and occasionally even the physical issues, all have a connection to spiritual issues. Maybe sin that we've committed. Maybe, maybe things God's wanting us to do and we're being resistant to obey. Maybe it's sin being done against us. Yesterday morning at the men's breakfast, uh, Daryl um, shared a, a story, a really cool story of a friend of his who had a, an abscessed tooth. And his, his jaw was really swollen. He was gonna go to see the dentist and have some oral surgery done. And Daryl just felt led by the Lord to ask him, just said, you know, I feel that there's, this, there's an issue in your life. There's, there's some unforgiveness. Is there? And the man said, yes. God's, God had been burdening his heart about someone he needed to forgive. And so immediately that man called up the friend he had an issue with and asked for forgiveness. Forgave that guy the wrong that he committed against him. And amazingly, the next day the abscess had healed. Sometimes we... We have no clue how our inner condition is affecting everything else about us. And ultimately, that is the key issue, the sins in our lives and what they do. Actually, all, all disease and sickness and death is the end result of sin entering into this world. So we know that there's a strong connection there. But healing is more than physical. It comes in a lot of different forms. We also see in both of these stories that faith is present, that faith is present. It is necessary in order for God to do his work. Now, there are two kinds of faith. One I would call personal faith. It's the person who brings faith to the table. It's the leper who meets Jesus on the way. It's the, um, it's the woman who touches the hem of Jesus' garment in the public area. It's the blind man who cries out to Jesus to enable him to see. It's that person who has faith and comes to Jesus. You know, God can heal us in all these different ways through faith. And one of the most challenging things is when God, God doesn't heal and then we question ourselves. And I, I know sometimes we can have all kinds of weight on our shoulders saying, if I would just believe more, if I would just believe more. And you know, that's hard, that's hard. That can be a great guilt trip. And I wanna encourage you in your area of faith that all you need to trust the Lord is the faith of a mustard seed. And then you leave the results up to God. But, but I, I want to lift that burden from you of, of focusing so much on whether you have enough faith. I want to tell you a story. Two, two people were getting on board an airplane. One was a very seasoned traveler. Lady in, her, in middle age, she got on plane, immediately took a nap because she was very... Oops, there we go. She had flown so many other times. But, but in the, the waiting area to get on the plane was a, a young man who'd never flown before. He was terrified. He was just terrified. And he, he just didn't know. He heard horror stories. He'd watch movies of planes going down, of, of, of planes being ripped open, people being sucked out of the plane, and that just terrified him. So he was just scared of getting on the plane. But you know, when they made the call, and the agent uh, announced for his group, he got on board. And you know what? The lady who had incredible faith in the pilot and the plane, and the boy who had a little bit of faith, enough faith just to get on that plane, both got to the same destination. See, all you need is enough faith to really show up, enough faith to obey, enough faith to respond to the Lord. 
But there's another kind of faith at play here, and it's what I would call proxy faith. It's believing for someone else. It's, it's when someone in your life is incapacitated or they're so overwhelmed or so discouraged and distraught that they themselves either can't get to Jesus, don't know how to get to Jesus, or maybe sometimes don't even want to get to Jesus. And so you're in a position of trying to help them, and you do that through intercessory prayer. See, what these friends did is said, you know what, we're taking you to Jesus, because we believe he can heal you. They put their friend on a mat, carried him to the house, couldn't get in the house, and so then they had to go through the roof of the house to get to a place where they could drop him in right into the presence of Jesus. Now, I've, I've been interrupted into church service before. I mean, there were babies that have cried, People like Steve Shrive have shouted stuff back at me during a service, kind of rattled rattled me a little bit. There there have been a couple occasions where someone's actually passed out in church, and I thought, oh my goodness, either the sermon's that bad, or or it's so good the Spirit has slain them. I don't know which it is, but it's just something pretty amazing is happening, you know. But I can't imagine if, while Jesus is teaching and debris is falling from the roof while he's teaching, if he just must stop and just look up there and go, What's going on here? You know, and, and in a sense, being impressed that they'd make a scene because they believe in Jesus so much, they're going to do anything they can to get into his presence, even if it meant ripping a hole in the roof. Now, we don't know who paid for the repair. I'm sure Jesus made sure that was covered. But there is power when other people can help where your faith is weak. In fact, the Bible gives this um, teaching in the book of James. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray uh, for him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. See, once again, James makes the connection between physical sickness and sin. The confession of sins along with the prayer for healing because the status of the soul is connected to the health of the body. Now, why do they say to call on the elders to pray? Do the elders have special abilities? Well, I would say this. If you're looking for people of faith in a church, you ought to be able to find that among your elders. So you, you, you're dealing with an issue, you need someone who can pray with faith, get an elder. You know, they can help you. But it doesn't mean that only elders can pray because James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Not just the prayer of of an elder, the prayer of a righteous person, a person who's seeking to walk with the Lord, living in accordance with his will, wanting God to work through them. That's the kind of person God says, I can use, and their prayers will be powerful. Now, did you notice something in these two stories? It probably just snuck in between the two. You didn't even notice them. But the end of the first story, and and right before the second story, is tucked in there one little statement. It says that Jesus would withdraw to desolate places to pray. Now, why would Jesus need to do that? He doesn't say. Did he he get away just to thank God for the miracles he was doing? Or did he do it to kind of get recharged? Was it kind of like plugging back in to the Father to say, I need you to pour into me more because I'm going to have to go out and give more? And see, God wants us to get away from the crowds, to spend time with him. In fact, I would say 
that your public prayers are powerful when they flow out of your private prayer life. If, if you don't have a strong private prayer life, it's very likely that your public prayer life isn't very strong. But if your private prayer life, you withdraw to quiet places to sit in the presence of the Father, let him pour into you to offer yourselves, God, use me as your vessel, fill me, enable me to do what you want me to do. Then you go out to pray for other people. There's power. But if you're not doing that behind the scenes and you just show up and say, I'm just gonna fling a prayer out there, it it might work, I don't know. But he says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and gets things done. And I encourage you, develop, nurture that quiet prayer life. A lady in our church who did that probably better than anybody I've ever known is Marjorie Savala. Marjorie's service for her life is going to be this coming Saturday, 10 o'clock right here in the church. And one of the things that you probably don't know about Marjorie, because her her husband Tina was the flamboyant one, and Marjorie was a little more quiet behind the scenes, but she was a prayer warrior. She has journals of prayers that she would write out for her um, kids, for their spouses, for the grandkids, for their bosses, for the friends of their family, all these people. She had prayers written out that then she would go over for hours at times, just praying for people. And when I've talked to the family after Marjorie passed away a week ago, the thing that keeps coming up over and over again is the power of her prayer life. In fact, the girls, uh, Dee Dee and and Judy and and Tina, all said kind of the same thing, that uh, mom prayed for us, prayed that we'd be good good girls, good wives, good mothers. Um, When we were teenagers, they said that mom would pray that if we got out into stuff we weren't supposed to be getting into, If we were in the wrong place or with the wrong people doing the wrong thing, she prayed that God would expose us, God would catch us. And see, she was interceding behind the scenes. And you know what's really been been cool? People who are friends of the family who learned that she was praying for them have been really touched to know that someone was praying for me. There is power in intercessory prayer. Power when we put someone else on a mat and then take them to Jesus through prayer. Faith, faith of ourselves, faith of the, those around us, both can be very powerful to, to um, help our prayers be successful. And then third, we see in both of these stories how Jesus is glorified. The spotlight is drawn on heaven's healer. First of all, people were amazed at what he did because healing wasn't the norm. You know, people just didn't go around gathering those that were sick and just healing them randomly. I mean, it wasn't common. In fact, even if you go back to the Old Testament, it's very sparse. You might have Elijah or Elisha, some prophet. You may find that God uh, does a miraculous thing with someone. In fact, um, God God does some great things in the Old Testament uh, to reveal his power. But this is just not common. And so when Jesus um, is, is, is being known as the healer, the word's getting out. And that's why he tells this man, don't tell anyone. Simply go to the priest Show yourself as clean and then give the offering that the, that the law requires. Now, I have to wonder, Jesus, you expect that man who's been healed of leprosy to stay quiet, really? And, and do you expect the priest who sees this man who is known his whole life to be a leper, who's clean now, not to say anything to anybody? It's bound to leak out. In fact, if you look over at Mark's gospel in Mark chapter 2, it says that this man went about freely telling everyone he met what had happened. So let me ask you this. Was Jesus angered with his disobedience? 
I kind of think Jesus said, you know, it's hard to not share good news. But it did make things difficult for Jesus. In fact, in Mark's gospel, it says, from that point on, Jesus couldn't come into the city to, to preach and teach anymore because the crowds would just be overwhelming. He'd go on the outskirts of town so that the crowd would be smaller so he could manage it. He wouldn't be overwhelmed by it. But people were amazed. You know, in the Old Testament, God says, after he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, he says, I am the Lord, your healer. God is the healer. And if anyone heals, it's, it's because God is working through him. And that's the case with Jesus. It says in Matthew chapter 8, uh, later on in Jesus' ministry, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. He cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Meaning Jesus the Messiah came to bring healing. He came. And that's, that's the sign that you can know the Messiah is here because he's doing, he, the, 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 the blind can see, the lame are walking, and the lepers are cured, the captives are free, the Messiah has come. It's Jesus. They were amazed at who he was and they couldn't deny who he was. The believers couldn't deny it. In fact, they rejoiced in it, but the critics, they couldn't deny it either. See, when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, he knew what he was doing. He was, he was telling the pharisaical leaders that were watching him that God is in their midst. He said, you guys all know only God can forgive sins, right? Yeah. And if I just forgave his sins, what does that make me? Well, how do we know you actually forgave sins? Ah, that's easy to do. To show you I have power to forgive sins. Son, rise up. Walk, take your mat and go home. I'm going to do something so amazing, so profound that, that this is going to validate what I just said about his sins as well. I am the son of man. In fact, Jesus calls himself more than any other title in scripture. He himself often refers to himself as the son of man. What does that mean? Well, for one, it means that he's human. He's the son of a man, but it's more than that. I'm a son of a man, but I'm not the son of man. It's a reference to an Old Testament prophecy in the book of Daniel chapter seven. In Daniel chapter seven, Daniel has this dream, this vision. And in it, he says that, um, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the son of man and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. They came one like the son of a man, the son of man. What was gonna happen to the son of man? Well, he was going to be exalted to a place beside the ancient of days, the Father God in heaven. Well, who is that? Well, that became Jesus, who after he died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. Where did he sit? The right hand of God the Father, Jesus. Jesus, every time he, refer, every time he refers to himself as the Son of Man, he'll do that again next week with Nicodemus. That title means I'm the guy. I'm that guy that Daniel spoke of. The Son of Man, that's me. I'm a Messiah. And people had to deal with that. Many believed and some didn't. In fact, that led to people seeking to execute him. Jesus resides on the throne in heaven beside the Father, exalted to the right hand of God. He's Savior, King, our healer forever. See, when Jesus left this earth, he continued to show he reigned by enabling his followers, starting with his apostles. But he even went beyond his apostles. They had power to do miraculous things, even to bring healing, to cast demons out of people. And you may wonder, well, 
that kind of died off with all the apostles. Did you know that there are people that weren't apostles that did those things? That Jesus actually sent out 72 people one time to do miracles, to have power over the evil in the world? Let me ask you this. Since Jesus has gone to heaven, is there less need for healing in the world? Are there people harassed by demons that don't need help anymore? Are people in situations so hopeless that they can't ever expect to be healed? Well, I believe that Jesus still does amazing things today. We're reminded in Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. A couple of weeks ago at the 11 o'clock service, uh, Morgan Fisher, one of our staff members, was sitting over here in the service, and Pastor Matt had just taken a moment in the midst of the worship set to say, hey, um, I want you to do something. He said, I want you to hold out your hands before the Lord. And he led people in a prayer to ask God to heal them. If they had an issue in their life and, and wanted God to bring healing to them, that they would actually lay it before God and let's see what God would do. And she shared with us a couple days later that something we didn't know, since she was 13, she had uh, suffered an injury that brought pain to her leg. It's, it's constant pain. But on this particular morning when she woke up, it was even worse than normal. It hurt more, and she debated not going to church, but said, you know, I'll go to church. It'll just be a little over an hour. Then I can go home and rest. And then she says that during the time of prayer, Matt asked God to heal people from physical illness in their bodies, she says. She says, I've never asked God to heal my knee because I thought it was just my lot in life. I prayed in agreement, but even then, I didn't really think it could be about me. But as I sat down, I noticed that my knee wasn't hurting as bad. I sat through the sermon, and when I got up, it didn't hurt at all which is strange because it's been a constant ache for 23 years. Now I don't, now, this is two days later, I don't have pain, stiffness, or the cracking noise when I walk upstairs and haven't had any swelling since. What was that all about? You know, I, we pray for people all the time. And, that, and we don't always see miraculous results. But I know this, that if I don't ask God the likelihood of nothing happening remains even stronger. That when I ask in faith and believe God to do that, something that only he could do that would be for his glory, time and time again, I'm amazed at what God does. And there are times when God does something that's so amazing. He brings a healing. He brings restoration. It could be physical. It could be emotional. It could be relational. And we just stand in awe of what God has done. And I want to tell you that he is still our healer today. Remember that mat I asked you to bring? If you're at home, I'm going to ask you to set that on the floor. What I, want to, what I want to ask you to do is think of someone in your life that you know is suffering physically or someone that's suffering emotional difficulty in their life. They're depressed, they're distressed, they're overwhelmed, they're burdened with fear, shame, guilt, whatever it is, they're just, they're just torn up inside. Maybe they're dealing with incredible grief that person is, is, needs emotional healing. There may be someone in your life that needs relational healing. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's your child and their spouse. I don't know who it is. But you know someone who needs a relational healing. And you know someone who needs spiritual healing, needs their sins forgiven, needs to break an addiction, needs to have the past forgiven. Would you do this? I know this is just symbolic, but I like to pray this way sometimes. I want to put that person on the mat, and then I want to 
set the mat in front of Jesus so Jesus can do what only he can do. I can't heal them, but I'm gonna stand in, in faith for them. That God would do like those friends did believing for the paralytic, that Jesus could heal you. He really can. Jesus can do something in you. Even if you don't believe it fully, even if your faith is only that small, I'm gonna boost your faith with my faith and stand with you. Is there someone that you know that needs that kind of prayer today? In your minds, set them on that mat. And for some of you, I wanna ask you to get on the mat because that person is you. You need God to heal you physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. That's you. And maybe like Morgan, you've thought, well, that's for other people. That's not for me. But I wanna ask you to say, maybe it is for you. Maybe God has a blessing for you today to free you from something that's been hindering your life and your freedom physically or some other area. You stand on that mat. Now, for those of us here today, I'm gonna ask all of us in this room to stand because up in front, I placed some carpet squares, our mats. And if you wanna come, you can pray right where you are and you can you know, put an imaginary mat before you, but if it helps you visually, there's some mats right down here that you can walk right down here right now. And you can, you can stand in front of that mat or stand on the mat, whatever you want to do. Because what I'm going to do is we're going to go into a, a moment of prayer. And you know what? I love that song we just sang before communion. I, I surrender all. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. I surrender it all to you. All my hurts, all my pain, all my shame, all my grief all the shattered pieces of my life, or do what you want to do because I want you glorified in it. So if you want to come up and, and stand here, you can. For those of you at home, I know this is kind of different for you, but if you're kneeling by the mat, standing by the mat, or want to stand on the mat, I want to, I want to pray with you and for you right now. So let's go before the Lord. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you are the healer. And we are so amazed that when you invaded life, you did something that nobody else could do. And Lord, we look at these stories and, and we have to believe, Lord, that, that that's still your heart today to free people from these, these infirmities, to free people from what grips their heart, but even more than the physical, to free them from the emotional pain, to free them from the, 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 the visions within their own family and friendships, and above all, to heal their soul. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross to take our burdens and ultimately to forgive us of all that shame, all that pain, that you indeed carried our sins and our sorrows, even our diseases with you. And so we come before you humbly. We want to be a vessel that you can use. We want to be a vessel filled by you. We want these bodies in their whole state to be used for you. Jesus, whatever you decide to do with these bodies, if you choose to heal me, we praise you for it. We want to glorify you with it. If we don't understand why things aren't happening, we still trust you. Because you're good and you're great and we still want to glorify you no matter what. But we trust, Lord, that you can do things that would blow our minds, that would amaze our friends, amaze the doctors. And we ask you to do that today, to bring healing right now. That cancers would be dissolved, that viruses would disappear, that bones would be healed, that memories, bad memories would be erased, that tears would be wiped from their eyes, that marriages would be healed, the relationships with children would be restored. That sins would be forgiven. Their relationships with Jesus would be restored. 
that people would come back even right now to the embrace of the Father. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are, for what you want to do. May our lives be for your praise, for your glory, to which you want to do. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the same today, yesterday, and forever. Our Savior, our healer, and most importantly, our King. And we intercede for those in our lives who right now, Lord, are in a place where they can't get to you or they don't know how to get to you and their faith is weak and they're struggling, Lord, and we agonize for them because we want so much for them and so we lay them before you. Jesus, would you do something that would just amaze them? Would you intervene in their life to spare them, maybe some of them from a direction they're going in their lives? Jesus, would you do something so startling for them that they can't help but turn to you? For the wayward child, for those that are struggling to believe, for those who did believe but are so wounded by things that have happened in the church or things that have happened somewhere else, and maybe feel so discouraged, Lord, we stand beside them, bring them wholeness and health, restore them to that beautiful relationship with you. Thank you that we have this incredible power through prayer to connect with heaven so that the power of heaven could come to earth. And so we ask all this in, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, keep praying. God, I, I just have this sense in my spirit that one of the things that God's wanting to do in his church across the world is reveal himself in more and more powerful ways. And it's going to come as we pray. And so as you pray and as you come on March 24th, um, as God's doing things in your life, as he's restoring bodies, marriages, healing your emotions, would you mind just telling me, send me email, catch me at church, let me know so I can praise God with you. So God bless you. We'll keep the mats up here if you need to come up and pray. And uh, we'll see you back next Sunday.